0: One thing that we can all pray and offer is that grace looks good on you, that we have a Savior who that scripture in Hebrews just said has been tempted at every point, who understands what it's like to be human, and yet he did not sin, and that we can come to him for grace, for favor in our time of need without fear at the end of the day. Whatever decisions that you make about your prodigal or about your spouse or about whoever you're praying for or whatever, let the peace of God rule your heart. This of Bridges is for everyone whose life has been impacted or affected in some way by addiction. And so as I start talking about that, I want to say first as we get started that I understand that the subject of addiction is both complex and it's controversial. Uh, whether you believe that addiction is a disease or that it's a choice is entirely up to you. I think what most of us can agree on is that addiction is very harmful and there are millions of people in our country that struggle and battle against addiction and family members that are impacted. And addictions come in this day and age in about every shape, size, and variety from pornography to alcohol to gambling to drugs to food, uh, compulsive shopping. and, And really then you could just put a blank line and just fill in that blank, that addictions come in all different shapes and sizes. And as we talk about that today, I want us to introduce to that subject, the subject of grace and the fact that because of God's goodness, because of the fact that he sent us Jesus, grace looks good on you. When I was growing up, I don't think that, I don't remember ever hearing so much about addiction. I'm quite sure that I knew or that my family knew, maybe somebody that struggled with being an alcoholic or some other uh, form of addiction. I don't know if it's, people didn't talk about it back then or that I just wasn't aware, but I remember kind of the first time that I heard someone use the word addiction, uh, they used it in regard to a handbag addiction, and this is how I became acquainted with the term and a little bit of what addiction looks like and either in my junior or senior year of high school, I worked at this really high-end retail store, and I quickly came to learn that there was a woman, and I don't know uh, her first name, so we'll just call her Brenda. This woman came into the accessory department where I worked uh, every Friday. She came in every Friday, and every Friday she would scan all of the purses and the handbags, and she would come to the counter, and she would return a purse, and she would purchase a purse, and she would. She was always polite and courteous. I remember my coworkers laughing when she would walk in. They're like, "Here she is. Uh, she's the lady with the handbag addiction." And they would run back uh, to the fitting room and hide. And it wasn't that I was such a nice person. I just I didn't want to hurt her feelings, so I would go up to the counter and I would wait on her, and the woman would say to me, "You know." It's just so hard to find a really good handbag. And I would just agree with her, and I would say thank you, and then she would leave. And this pattern continued every single Friday. It's like, who buys and returns a purse every Friday? And so when my coworkers are like, well, she's she's got an addiction. That's a handbag addiction. My thought was, I don't really have a diagnosis for that. I don't know. I just waited on her. But it was kind of my first introduction to a situation where a person did something that seemed kind of out of their control and like they couldn't stop doing it and it didn't make sense. But you know, I forgot about that and you know, life moves forward and all these years later now as hosting the Bridges show, which I've been blessed to do uh, for over 20 years, I've talked with all kinds of people who battle or struggle or are impacted by addictions that are much greater or much more impactful than a shopping or a handbag addiction. I've talked with people who have been addicted to gambling and lost their homes. I've talked to people who uh, drugs have been their addiction, pornography, uh, pastors, leaders, people that struggle with something that seems to be larger than them and that even trusting christ sometimes that battle uh, still continues i've talked with people who have beaten addictions and talk about that struggle and what it looks like and the pain and all of that and i've talked to some people who have beaten addiction and i've talked to other people that have lost the battle you know just a few months ago i talked with parents who lost their very beautiful very young daughter to a heroin overdose that was laced with fentanyl. And so I've had that experience, and experience of talking to addictions counselors and spiritual leaders that share how they work to help people who are trapped in addiction become free. I've had that experience, but I can also tell you that personally, I've had the experience of loving someone very much that battles against addiction and what i can say whether you believe that addiction is a disease or that it's completely a choice is that addiction is a very dangerous and a very treacherous and a very painful journey i just couldn't even describe to you the amount of fear that i experience when the person that i care so much about is in active addiction me trying to save them, which I cannot do, watching somebody destroy their life and make painful choices and to be helpless in all of that. While it's painful and while it's treacherous, what I have come to know in a very real and much deeper way than I've ever known before is the kindness, the mercy of our very, very loving Savior. And so, as we talk about grace looks good on you today, I hope that I can share the hope that comes from the Word of God, the hope of my personal experience, and that I'm not going to share any quotes, any cliches, any, oh, this is all just quick and easy, because it's not. But there is hope because of Jesus, and because of the power of grace, all of our lives can be hugely changed. The first thing that I want to talk about is how his grace is sufficient. And, you know, as you're watching today, I just want to say this. If you don't know anybody that battles addiction, I hope that you'll stay with us. Because at some point, you may go to church with someone. You may sit next to somebody in a cubicle at work who knows someone or who is that someone And they've prayed every pray that they know how to pray, and they've cried every tear that they could possibly have, and they are worn out because this prodigal is still addicted. And despite their attempts to rescue, despite their attempts at intervention, there's been no change. I want to say if you know any of those kinds of people, they don't need your judgment, they need your compassion. You don't have to have a similar life experience to understand because the Bible teaches us this out of the book of Hebrews, and I'm going to read out of the Amplified Version, Hebrews 4, verses 15 and 16. And it says, Therefore we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize and understand our weaknesses and temptations. But one who has been tempted knowing exactly how it feels to be human in every respect as we are yet without committing any sin. Therefore, let us with privilege approach the throne of grace. That is the throne of God's gracious favor with confidence and without fear so that we may receive mercy for our failures and find his amazing grace to help in time of need an appropriate blessing coming just at the right moment. And so as I read that, I say to all of you who may be struggling with addiction right now, or you who don't know anybody that does and you don't know what to say, the one thing that we can all hope and the one thing that we can all pray and offer is that grace looks good on you, that we have a Savior who that scripture in Hebrews just said has been tempted at every point, who understands what it's like to be human. And yet he did not sin and that we can come to him for grace, for favor in our time of need without fear. You all, this is the Savior of the entire universe. We can come to Him without fear. We can come to Him and ask Him for His grace no matter how many times we've failed, whether we can understand our neighbor's struggle or our kid's struggle or whomever, whether we think it's a disease or we think addiction is a choice, our Savior says that His grace is sufficient and that we can come to Him at any time. And not only that, but that he understands, he has compassion, he empathizes, he knows what it's like to be tempted at all points and yet remain without sin. So I want you to know wherever you are in this subject, whether your life has been affected by addiction or it has not, that his grace is sufficient and he loves us with an everlasting love. And he is always ready, willing, and able to help us. Whether we are the person that's addicted, whether we're the enabler, whether we're the neighbor, whether we're the church member, or whether we're a bystander, reading about it in the newspaper, or hearing about a story on the TV, we can stand understanding that his amazing grace is always sufficient. And that he is always ready and willing to help us and meet us wherever we are. We are. You all, grace is the most amazing gift, and grace is yours for the asking. For every single one of us who are still here on planet Earth right now, we only have to ask Him for His grace. The Bible is clear that we can't earn it. We don't deserve it. (laughs) Grace. Grace is available for those who struggle with addictions and those who don't. And you all, it is the most outrageous, lavish gift ever. We can look at our lives and think, well, you know, I was disappointed I didn't get that job. I'm sorry that my marriage didn't work out. I seem to be a misfit or an outcast or whatever it is that we run through our head. But we've all been offered this most outrageous, lavish gift, and grace is ours for the asking. I want you to know that nothing, absolutely nothing, compares to the power of God's grace that is available to all of us through his son, Jesus Christ. And while we talk about this complex and controversial subject of addiction, you know, we all live in a physical body while we're here on earth. We have body, soul, and spirit. So whenever we struggle with anything in the physical realm, it's good to get physical help as well as spiritual help. And so I highly recommend that if you need any kind of help to detox for an addiction or anything like that, get that help, get counseling, go to celebrate recovery. Every avenue that is a, uh, a God honoring Avenue, take it and work and fight for your freedom. But don't forget about God's grace because our right actions and our desire to To become free, matched with the overwhelming, lavish, outrageous gift of God, nothing compares to grace. And if you're sitting there thinking about how you don't deserve grace, I want to say this to that. That's true. The Bible makes it clear that we can't earn grace, that grace is his unmerited favor. Can't earn it. We can't deserve it. But I think sometimes as people... We really misinterpret what the word is saying to us about grace being unmerited and not deserved. As you read about grace in its context, it talks about God doesn't want us to get puffed up or to boast or to think that, oh, well, now that I'm saved and I'm a recipient of God's grace, I'm better than other people and that's why I'm making better choices and this and that. That's what it says. It says he doesn't want us to boast. But the part about not deserving it, I think that sometimes we take out of context, yeah, we don't deserve it. We can't earn it. But God decided in his infinite wisdom as the creator of the whole universe, as the sovereign one, as the great I am, that he loves us enough that he wanted to give us grace. Because grace changes everything. So as we talk about not deserving it, let's take a look at this example of a 10-year-old child's birthday party. And I want you to imagine with me that this 10-year-old child's looking forward to turning double digits for the first time, because you know that's such a big deal when you go from being 9 to being 10, double digits. I remember being so happy about that. So I want you to imagine with me this child and his parents their kitchen, the birthday cake, candles, ice cream, presents, how do you think it would go if when the kid opens up his first present and says, thank you, the parents say, well, you know, you don't, you don't deserve that gift. I mean, last week, you lied about doing your math homework. You you didn't do it, but you said you did, but you lied, but no worries. I, I mean, we still love you. You don't deserve it, but we, we love you because we're good, because we're good parents. So we're good parents and we love you, but you don't deserve it. Wouldn't that kind of birthday party shaming just be awful? <laughs> I mean, I would just be like, you can keep your gifts. Well, I might keep the gift, but I would be thinking this is so awkward and this is so awful because the child is receiving a gift and at the same time, He's sort of being given a verbal slap, like, you don't deserve it. He's being scolded. He's being shamed. And so then this child has this weird idea about what love is and about what gifts are, and they're being made to feel unworthy when, in fact, God's decided that we're worth it. Isn't it more like as parents of a child, that we give them birthday parties and we buy them lovely gifts that they really want because we love them, because we want to see them smile, that we're, yeah, the kid might have lied about doing their math homework and we might have had to discipline them because it's good to discipline our children when they need it. The Bible says if we really love them that we will discipline them. But it is, isn't it more like, you're my kid and I love you no matter what? And this birthday party is all about celebrating your life and us celebrating today and the potential that you have. And like we're your parents and we're going to be in your life and we're going to be your biggest cheerleaders all the days of your life. Kid, we love you. We're praying for you. This is such a fun party and we love you. We love you. We love you. And this is how I want you to see this about grace. Grace changes everything because that's just how it is that God looked at you, God looked at me before the foundation of the earth, and he chose to create us. And he chose to give us his grace because grace changes everything. We are recipients of God's grace because he loves us. Grace covers our sin. Grace makes our lives brand new. Grace changes the desires of our heart and listen. That's what this Christian life is all about. That the desires of our heart when we love Christ, when he covers us with his blood, when his grace becomes our portion, then the desires of our heart change and we no longer want what is wrong and what is sinful. Grace is the supernatural ability to do God's will. And that's why I say grace looks good on you. Take a moment just to breathe in his grace and relax in his grace and to understand that because of Jesus Christ, because of this grace that, yeah, that we don't deserve and that we can't earn, but that he just decided he wants to give us this outrageous gift. His grace is sufficient. His grace changes everything. It changes the desires of your heart. His grace gives us new hope for life. His grace is sufficient for the addict. His grace is sufficient for the enabler. His grace is sufficient for those who are on the outside or outward skirts making their judgments about, well, you need to kick this person out. Here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to do. And all I can say, well, it's good to get good, healthy counsel. At the end of the day, whatever decisions that you make, about your prodigal, or about your spouse, or about whoever you're praying for, or whatever, let the peace of God rule your heart. God will speak to you about what you need to do. So let yourself be still and rest in the power of God's grace Realize that his grace changes everything. And if there's anything that you need to do differently or any kind of special help that you need to get. And if you do need to ask uh, someone to move out of the home for safety reasons or anything like that. Let God lead you in that and not the voices of people who are not invested in the situation. While what they are saying may be technically right might not be God's plan for you. So let all of that judgment and all of that angst, just let it go and soak in his supernatural grace because grace changes everything. I want to read to you Hebrews 4, 16, just one more time. Therefore, let us with privilege approach the throne of grace. That is the throne of God's gracious favor with confidence and without fear so that we may receive mercy for our failures and find His amazing grace to help in time of need an appropriate blessing coming at just the right moment. When you think about that scripture, coming before the throne of God, think about what a good, gracious, heavenly Father we have that his throne in all of his splendor with all of the splendor of heaven with the fact that he is all powerful that he is immutable which means the god who doesn't change the fact that he is omnipresent that he is everywhere at the same time The fact that he made the heavens, that he made the earth, that he's numbered the stars, he's named them. He holds the whole, the Bible says he holds all of creation together with the power of his word. That heavenly father says that you and that I and that the addicted and that the enablers and that the bystanders and those that second guess our decisions, that we can become, we can come before his throne and that we can ask for his gracious favor, that we can ask for his help in our time of need. You all, grace, grace, and more grace. His grace looks good on you. While I do highly recommend we all do our part in every area of our life here on earth, don't ever forget about the power of his grace to lift you up out of that pit, to give you to do the strength, to give you the strength to do what you cannot do on your own. It says here that we can receive mercy for our failures. So if you are a person that you have struggled and struggled and struggled and relapsed and struggled and struggled, his mercy is there for your failures. His grace is sufficient regardless of what anybody else has to say. Grace frees us from the sting of sin and from the prison of bondage. And that's why grace looks good on you because all the stuff that's been written against us, all of the charges, all of that is gone because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And when I started working on this second, this part two, Messy to Meaningful book with Rhonda and Kaylee Ray, I asked them, I said, I would like to write the chapter on addiction and just be able to share what God has poured out into my heart in my time of need and in the emotional pain and in the suffering and in the tumult that I've experienced to be able to say, none of it is pretty, none of it is fun, but his grace is sufficient and that his grace is yours for the asking One of my favorite quotes from the book is that grace makes religious people angry and all of hell tremble. Grace frees the enabler and the addicted. And here's the thing. God loves religious people too. But really religious people get mad about grace because grace isn't fair. But grace is what God decided that his children... That anyone who would call on his name, that he would never turn us away, that he would never reject us, he said, whoever comes to him, he will in no wise ever cast out. And all of hell trembles to think about grace. Because when we really get the concept of God's grace, that it's not something to beat ourselves up with, like, I don't deserve this, I'm not worthy. You all, that's right, but that's not the point. God decided he wants us to have grace. God decided that grace is the appropriate gift for his children, that he wanted to give us this most lavish, outrageous, ridiculous gift because we're worth it to him. Always remember this wherever you are in your life. The cross says you're worth it. What you think about you and what I think about me and my insecurities and my failures that want to torment me and haunt me by me thinking about them or other people mentioning to them, all of that dissipates at the cross. The cross says you're worth it. And grace looks good on you. People may put all kinds of other labels on you and they may be facts. That might be truth. You might have done or said those things and people might feel like, well, I can't trust you anymore. You've lied so much. Okay. That may be the decision that they need to make. But what God has made and God does not go back on his word. He does not lie. He is not a person. He's not a man. The Bible says that he should lie. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. He doesn't take a vacation. He said, Grace looks good on you. He said he wants you to have grace. He wants to clothe you in his grace. And so today we will have, uh, for everybody watching uh, this video, we will put it up online. And there will be a list of the scriptures and the things that I've talked about, as well as some online extras that I just put to include some prayers, some things that you can do, some things that have helped me In this journey of having addiction so deeply impact my life. But I want to say this more than addiction impacting my life is the mark of Jesus Christ on his life and receiving that grace, that grace, that amazing grace. So I want you to remember that God is for you, that he is not against you, that grace really does make all of hell tremble and hell doesn't want us to understand the power of grace because grace frees us gives us the supernatural ability to obey god and changes the desires of our heart grace his grace is sufficient for you his grace changes everything His grace is yours for the asking, so ask for His grace today and walk in the freedom that is the portion of the children of God and always, always, always remember, He chose you and His grace looks good on you. We've got to go, but we say goodbye and God bless you. Don't miss another episode of Bridges. Subscribe to our YouTube channel today where you can find all of Monica's latest teachings and interviews. It's easy to do. Just visit youtube.com, search Monica Schmelter, and click subscribe. Once you are subscribed, click the bell icon to get notified when a new episode is available to view. Thanks for watching Bridges. Join the Bridges community on Facebook. Visit Facebook and search for Bridges with Monica. We would love to connect with you. I found myself on a ledge three stories high at some condominiums, contemplating my life and struggling to understand my purpose. Have you ever found yourself on the ledge? My name is Billy Ant. I'm a caring father mentor, and friend. In my new podcast, Billy and the Goat, I share the life-changing events that shaped who I am today to remind you that no matter how far you've fallen, God can help you get up and thrive. Listen now at lifeaudio.com.